and open your Bibles this evening to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and it will not take most of you very long to realize that this is the chapter of the fall of man. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to get started by reading verses 8 through 21 as we just consider where we are. We are picking up after Adam has already sinned and Eve as well, and they are hiding in the garden away from God, starting in verse 8, says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel." Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life thorns and also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground for out of it was thou taken for dust thou art and unto dust shalt thou return and Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living, unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. What a perfect environment that Adam and the woman had, that his wife had. It was, it was perfect. There was no sin. And, 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 and God was their father. They had communion with God and, and shared with him and, and they didn't have a sin nature. And, and so what a blessing that was. How great it was, but it didn't last very long at all. 
And in this chapter, we have what we have already said is that we have the fall of man in this chapter. What a tragic event that took place. This is not God's fault. There is nothing to blame in God for this. The fall of man came about because of the choice of man in his free will. Man chose in rebellion to God's divine will. So sin, misery, and darkness and shame came upon the human race and cursed the earth. The pure state of every man and all the land was then defiled as a result of this rebellion against God. All that was beautiful has now become stained as a result of going against God. Man died spiritually. He died in separation from his creator, almighty God, and the fellowship and the relationship that they had was severed. That put man in a position, let's understand, as being bankrupt. He could do nothing for himself. He was separated from God. He was helpless on his own to repair the damage that had been done by rebellion against the Lord God. Man became a sinner. At this time, his innocence was terminated. He was now offensive to God because of the holiness of God and the disobedience of man. Man was now unacceptable to God. But from that very moment that this sin and this separation took place, God went to work to restore man's relationship to him. God immediately in moved into action to reestablish what he had with man. And, and so we see this chapter and we think of this chapter of the fall of man and in all of the darkness and in all of the gloom and the tragedy of this, you might think we're going to share something negative tonight or not negative. Nothing's negative in the Bible, but we might you might think that we're just going to share a tragedy tonight. But there's actually five shining stars that cut through the darkness in this chapter that I would like for you and I to consider tonight. We are going to have revealed to us the love of God and the grace of God here in the fall of man. And we see in verse 8, first of all, that the Lord God pursued them and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The Lord God gave a command to Adam and he disobeyed God. He severed what he had with God. He became a sinner. He put up a wall. There was a great gulf now between God and man. The Lord God had met with Adam 
And, and the woman in the cool of the day, he had fellowshiped with them and he spent time with them. And now he is going back into the garden in the cool of the day, but it's going to be a different situation now. It, the fellowship is not the same. It's not there. God knows what they have done. It, God's going to ask him where you are in a little bit, but God already knows what they have done and God already knows where they are and God pursued them. See, they couldn't pursue God now in the situation they're in. And God knows what they've done, yet God went to them. The Lord God could have abandoned Adam and Eve for what they did, and he would have been well within his right to do so. He could have let them lie in the nest that they had made for themselves to suffer the consequences of their action and live under the effect of the curse till they died on their own with no part coming forth from God at all. But he didn't do that. They And it's just amazing. They had become infected with this disease of sin that was repulsive to God. His holiness could not accept them as they were. He could have easily just had the thought, I, I'm, I, this is not of me. This is no longer me. And I'm getting away from this. And I'm washing my hands of this. This could have been the response of God knowing what they did. But would you consider this fall and this tragedy tragedy and God pursuing them God went to them in their time of failure and fault Adam and the woman gave God every reason not to go to them not to visit them in the garden in the cool of the day again but he went God went to them and and right in the middle of all this darkness of this fall, that is love and that is the grace of God to mankind. God pursued them completely bankrupt, clearly in a a situation where they could do nothing. Nothing at all without God. God came to them. We know this. This is the this is in the beginning of the Bible. Yet there are people. That still plan to practice their religion. And do good and be as good as they can to other people. And they're going to be accepted into heaven because of their goodness. Believing they do not need the love and the grace of God. Basic truths that we have here, yet that is what many people that sit in really good churches where the truth is preached for years even, and they proclaim their own goodness. Adam and Eve could have done nothing without God pursuing them. The the grace of God went to them and the grace of God still goes out to people today. Anyone can be given grace today because God is still pursuing everyone with his grace as he did Adam and the woman. There is grace 
for people today. There are people that have a testimony that they had troubles and the marriage got strained and problems started happening. And so they they went to church and they started seeking God, they say. But the truth is, God was seeking them. If you're here tonight and you're saved, I know you might believe you were looking for God, but the truth is God was looking for you. Jesus said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Praise God for His grace that in our sinful condition, lost in our sins and and, and dead to God, that, that God in His grace pursued Adam and He pursues people today. He's still wanting to save the lost today and he's drawing them and someone in their conflict and in their problems does not start looking for God. God is using their conflicts to draw them to him. Thank God that he pursues still today. That is grace. Wonderful grace of God. Though we have man's falling away into sin here. We also have God's leaning toward man by his grace. God, the Lord God pursued them, but not only did the Lord God pursue them. We'll look in verses nine and ten and we'll see that the Lord God proclaimed to them. It says, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I I hid myself. The Lord God did not approach Adam and the woman to look down upon them, to talk down upon them. He wasn't going to them in anger. He wasn't going to them to say, I told you so. He wasn't going to do the I told you so dance in their face because they had failed. He didn't do it in that way. Uh, God went to them and he said, where are you? He went to Adam and said, where are you? And he knew where he was. He already knew exactly what had happened. One preacher said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God already knew, yet he pursued and he proclaimed to them and he called out to them. The Lord God proclaimed this question to Adam, where are you? Not because he needed a news bulletin, not because he didn't know, but he was trying to draw Adam to a confession of what he had done. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what he's drawing Adam to do, that he might confess to God. You know, the, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead and thou shalt be saved. And for the Christian daily in the Christian's life, confession is so important. That is what every Christian is to do. Yet there are Christians that have two different responses 
to sin, to failure. Every Christian fails. Everyone falters. That is nothing new. That is the way it is with everyone. The difference is going to be the response of the Christian to their failure before God. And when one does not confess and go with a broken and contrite heart with a, with a desire to forsake what is, has happened and going on, that puts that one in bondage. And, and the Christian does not have to be in bondage to sin. We've been forgiven of all of our past, present, and future sins, and we have a home for sure in heaven, but dealing in the Christian life on a daily basis, how foolish would it be of us to go on without becoming free and breaking those chains daily that bind us? Uh, the, there's the Christian out there that has a secret sin sometimes. And the truth about that, that I know, is that they are suffering in that. And God does not want that for the Christian. God wants to break those chains and free you from the bondage. You are forgiven when you go to God with a broken and contrite heart and you confess those things before him. This is what God has done in proclaiming to Adam. He is calling out that he might acknowledge and admit and confess his sin before God. David was guilty of adultery and, and murder, blood guiltiness. And he went to the Lord and he says, I acknowledge my sin is ever before me. And he went to the Lord and said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. God wants to use people with the failures that they've had to help someone else. I'm not saying we need to tell the, the world, but we need to go to the Lord and, and we need to be willing for God to use us and the experience of our failure and the forgiveness that we've had to go to help someone else. He didn't want Adam keeping that to himself and suffering in this. So the Lord God proclaimed to Adam. He's calling out to Adam that those chains might be broken, calling for a confession. And I'm telling you, that's grace. That's the grace of God that he pursued Adam in such a way. And that is the grace of God that he's drawing him to deal with his situation to be able to make it right. Look, we fail, but the Lord God has come to set us free. If ye shall be free, the Son shall make you free. And indeed, this will happen for you and I. But as we look at these five shining stars, we not only see that the Lord God pursued Adam, but then the Lord God proclaimed to Adam, but he's not finished yet. The Lord God probed Adam. Look with me in verse 11. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? 
thank God that he will probe his people, that he will call us to the carpet and to get real one on one with him over what we've done. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Thank God that he is interrupted and intervened and he probes in lives so that they may not just get to that very end thinking they're right to the end of their way being death. We can be thankful to the Lord that he does this. God challenged Adam and he probed him about the sin that he committed. And that is actually grace too. That is grace. I've said it many times to the teenagers and they can quote it back to me when I ask them. But the worst thing that God can do is leave you alone. And so God is not leaving Adam alone, even though he was justified to do so. But he went to him. He went to him in grace and he's probing him. And we can thank the Lord that he shows us the error of our way, because with just you and I, we're going to lead one another blindly into the ditch. But God has shown us and told us and he probes to us and he speaks to us through his word about this. Hebrews chapter four and verse 12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Praise God for his word that is a mirror to you and I and a a medicine to you and I in the error of our way that he can show us that we might not get to the end of that way, which leads to death, but he might save us by his grace. Thank God for the blessing that he probes us with. Oh, man. God is good. He's good. When God probes our heart and doesn't leave him alone, let us thank God for his grace. God's grace is all through the fall of man here. But we also see that God did penalize them in verses 12 through 20. We see the penalizing of God upon the people for what they've done and the consequences do come about. First of all, look there in verse 12. And the man said, the woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. It it just doesn't work with God. The blame game just doesn't work with God. And when God wants to talk to you and I, he does not want us to use someone else as our excuse for for our sin or anything like that. It just doesn't work with God. But that's what Adam tried to do. And people try to cut corners with God, unfortunately, today. They try to cut corners with God on his eternal love and salvation that he has given on the cross at Calvary for all of us. But but we need to be real with God created me a clean heart, David, asked the Lord. And that's what he That's what he would have us to do is be real with him. He probed for a confession, but he heard an accusation. But we see the penalizing actually in verses 16 through 20 for the woman. It says uh, that her her sorrow will be multiplied and and in her in her conception and in sorrow she shall bring forth 
children and and then for the man cursed is the ground because of him and in sorrow he will eat of the ground the ground will bring forth thorns and thistles you know god would have been within his right to to kill adam and eve he he could have done that but instead but instead god chastened them that's the grace of god when he chastens his children, Hebrews 12, 5 says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. If if someone's not chastened, they're they're illegitimate. They're not his. But the Lord chastens his people. I thank God for a chastening, not just because it lets me know that I'm his child, but it is that is the grace of God to you and I. When he chastens us, when he doesn't just let us continue on in what we might do that might be in rebellion against him. Can you see this shining star of God's grace in that he chastens his children? We are reminded, we are reminded by this, that sin has a price. They had to face the consequences of the fall and and sin has a price. We are when we go to the Lord and we confess those things to him, we are forgiven, but that does not mean the consequences won't take place. And that lets you and I know it refreshes you and I on the fact that sin has a price. And that's really good for you and I, because in this flesh, we are going to fight it until we go home to heaven. The temptation we're going to fight and the sin that 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 is going to try to draw us in through lust, we are going to have to fight. So it's good to be reminded of this price that has to be paid. The grace of God's chastening prevents us from getting deeper into trouble. Thank the Lord that he chastens us and that stops us and U-turns us and redirects us so many times. And we know that he loves us when he does it. By grace, our focus is taken off the beginning temporary pleasures of sin and it is redirected to the concluding pain of sin. Sin is brutal and it's very ugly and sin is very addicting. But chastisement is a product of the grace of God that we might see the reality of sin. Praise God that he has probed his children and that even when he penalizes his children, are you with me? Do you see that this is God's grace when he does this? He does this because he loves us. But we'll look at one more thing tonight and we'll find that in verse 21. And we're going to see that the Lord God provided for them. Verse 21 says, unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them? The Lord God made a sacrifice of the innocent to provide a covering for the guilty. Does that kind of 
ring a bell? Does that kind of make you think of an innocence in a sacrifice that was made to cover you and I? Because the precious Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, His blood was shed on the cross for you and I so that our guiltiness, in our guiltiness, we can be washed, we can be cleansed, and we can be made white as snow in the sight of the Lord. There's a covering for their sinfulness that God gave them. God would have been justified in doing none of these things. Remember, God didn't, He was not obligated to do any of these things for Adam and his wife, who he is now by this time named Eve. And, and by the way, the focus on Adam in this fall of man that we consider and, and we don't focus on Eve so much is because the sin nature passes through the man. It does, it passes on from the man. It doesn't pass on from the woman. That's why Jesus was sinless being born of a woman and of the Holy Spirit. So we focused on the sin of Adam and God addressed and went to Adam in this. And then, and I called, I called it Adam and the woman because Eve hadn't been given a name yet, but now she's been given her name Eve. And God did not have to do any of these things for them, but by His grace, by His grace, when man fell and when man chose against God, when He said by His actions, I don't love God, and when He chose to do what He did, God pursued them. And God proclaimed to them, He probed them, He penalized them, and He provided for them. And that provision was, was a, a likeness of what we can see in what was to come in the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect life and gave His life for all of us. That provision secures us for eternity. That's the grace of God, which is free. It's free to you and I, but it was very expensive to God. There's nothing more valuable and more precious to God than his only begotten son. But he had him put on the cross at Calvary, his bloodshed for all of our sins, and he offers something free through his great sacrifice for us. Salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Only by the gift of grace can one be forgiven. We're going all the way back here to, to look at something that so many people have in their natural mind today that there is a goodness they can proclaim of themselves. There is, there is a goodness that they can rely on that God would just have to accept them. But everyone is just as bankrupt as Adam was. Everyone is in just as helpless a situation as Adam was from then till now. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 said that Adam's sin spread to the entire world and that condemns one and keeps one out of a relationship with God and out of heaven. But but the grace of God, but God's grace, His free gift, He offers to anyone who will receive Him as Lord and Savior. We see the, the fall of man here, and that affect, 
that affected everyone and it still affects everyone. But we also see the grace of God here tonight. It, God's grace is his free gift. You, you and I cannot go to God, but God comes to you and he draws you. And he will save you tonight if you don't have peace of eternal salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have that peace tonight, have your sins forgiven. The weight of guilt is no longer upon you. You can be free, free in Jesus, knowing you have a home in heaven. The Lord comes to live within you. He changes your life. Uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That got me. I ran up to Big Bob after Sunday school one morning years ago. And I said, what do you mean this change? What are you talking about a change? My life never changed. I made this profession. My life never changed. What are you talking about? Relax, Kenneth, and just come over to the house and talk to me about it. God is in the transformation business. A young lady was had some time spent with her a while back. And a young lady that's heard the gospel for quite a while. I don't even know if she's 20 years old yet, but she has cancer. And after the doctor said they can't do anything for her, four more tumors have developed in the brain. And... And she believes that a person can change their own life and do good and be good after being under the sound of the truth for so long. God forbid there be one here with the, the natural thing in their mind that so many can think that that I'm so much better than this person by worldly standards or I'm, I don't feel like I hate God or anything like that. Look, you must be born again. You must be born again in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is free for you. You are already accepted. If you will accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you will let him save you. God wants to save you tonight through his son. If you're here and you're unsaved. We're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And we're going to have a time of invitation. And maybe there's something on your heart you need to bring up here and kneel down before and give to God. Or maybe it's maybe tonight is that night that that you realize that that you want this peace of salvation and you want to know that you're saved that 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 happens by trusting the Lord and allowing the Lord to save you could we all bow our heads tonight and go to the Lord in a word of prayer father in heaven Lord we come before your presence this evening dear God and Lord I thank you that we can see your grace from the beginning and your love that you have to us you have given mankind free choice Lord and but you have a free and eternal salvation that you provide. I thank you for your grace tonight. I thank you for reaching out to the to the first one you created, Lord, and that that has reached out uh, through the years in eternal salvation to save many souls. I praise you for your truth tonight, dear God, that we might be grounded in your truth, that it might uh, build us up and strengthen us, dear Lord, that we might love your word as the psalmist says. But Lord, tonight for the one that is here that does not know you as their personal savior, Lord, we, we pray tonight that 
that you would become Lord and Savior of their life and they would trust you. Dear God, for our church family and and for the, the many things going on in our lives and the burdens, dear God, I thank you that that we can bring them to you and that you hear us. And that you know exactly how we feel. You've experienced every temptation we have and then some. Father, have your way with your people tonight. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.